morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. Today is June 23rd, 2021, and we're going to be talking about China's recent crackdown on Bitcoin. How are you this morning? I'm doing quite well. It's a beautiful morning, and I'm ready for this episode. How are you this morning, David? I'm doing well, and I'm you know, we've spoken about crypto before. We talked to Torsten Hoffman last week, the uh, director and producer of Cryptopia, which is a great primer for anyone who's looking to learn about the landscape of the crypto space. Um, but this is more different, and this is the type of topics that I like around crypto. It's fascinating when you go to look for information about cryptocurrencies or about Bitcoin in particular. It typically always ends up being about the price. And of course, when you look at stories about China's recent crackdown on Bitcoin mining and on cryptocurrency mining, a lot of it is about the logistics of the mining itself, but so much of it is about what it did to the price, the crackdown. Now, the price, obviously, if you're exposed to that market, it will be important to you. It'll be the most important thing. If you have half a million dollars in Bitcoin and it loses 30% of its value, the fact that you only have $350,000 worth of Bitcoin will be the most important part. But I like the geopolitical, uh, you know, the geopolitical, what's the word? Connotations, impact. impact, impact of a decision like this. Now, the impact is fascinating and it's not just on price. Real things are going to happen in the real world. And that's what's uh, exciting and fascinating to me. That's what's being overlooked because the the price is it's kind of like easy, the volatility of the Bitcoin is is a news item, I I agree with that, but it's the same news item over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's not a surprise anymore. Uh, it's it's going to go up. It's going to go down. It could be really high. It could be really low. It can go away. Uh, so, but there's other things like you're saying, David. There's other things that, uh, what is this going to cause? What mm-hmm. what's going to be the the aftermath, uh, what's going to be, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the fascinating part of what changes is this going to make, what to hypothesize what this could do. And uh, and those forward thinking of what's going to, how this is going to play out in all different areas of our society, uh, that's, that's the uh, important part to me. Yes. Um... I think your point is well taken that, uh, what did you say? There's something you said at the very beginning of your monologue that I very much agree with. It's a news item, but after you hear the same news item over and over again, it's no longer news. That's it. (laughs) Um, So China has cracked down on cryptocurrency, and I have a a thing here. Um, This is just from... Uh, Coindesk, which is a industry-specific, and it's, you know, city in China, Sichuan province, orders crypto miners to shut down. This is just going through the history of it. So for weeks, they've been sort of hinting at this. And then June 17th, so this is last week, the provincial authorities came in and shut down the mines. Like, actually physically shut them down. And the crypto mines. The crypto mines. Mm-hmm. And that was last week. Now, they're just reporting on it this week because the fallout comes, you know, the the mainstream media. The thing is, you know, people in Coindesk, they know the miners. The miners pick up a phone and call them and say they just shut down our mine. So Coindesk gets the story before Bloomberg would or, or the Washington Post. Um, but, the Bloomberg, but Bloomberg and the Washington Post also have stories on this. Bloomberg's is always focused on the price. But the Washington Post reporting by Jerry Shi, a Washington Post reporter, was very good. It was about the fallout of it. And the fallout is these Chinese, these giant mines responsible for 60 to 70% of the Bitcoin creation in the world are going to go somewhere because there's a lot of resources tied up in them. And that place may be the United States. And that was fascinating, mm-hmm. but I don't want to start there. I want to start with the timeline of why China's shutting down the mines, why the mines were in China in the first place, and then we'll get into why those mines are going to the United States. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense because knowing why this happened and knowing what what types of factors went into this decision is paramount in knowing what the aftermath is going to be and what other repercussions are going to be. 
And how's it going to play out, not just in China, but in the world economy and everyone who has connections with China, uh, as far as the uh, uh, political, the geo, the business, and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not just about pricing. Uh, pricing is a reaction uh, to what's happening in the world. We're talking about what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So, 60 to 70 percent of the mines in the world, the large-scale commercial mining is in China. And what does a mine look like? Do you, I mean, do you want to take a crack at that or should I say? I'll, I'll let you. I'm not, it's actually, we've seen pictures of it. It's, uh, uh, there's a, they're just, you take a crack at it. You're better at that than I am. It's just a huge, uh, monolith of computers that are just, uh, cranking out, uh, uh, work. Yes, exactly. That's, I think that's mining a good, work. Um, so let's say I'll just I'll Google Bitcoin mine. What you just said, it's a giant. Here they are. They're just thousands of connected computers are. cranking out work. They're trying to solve the hash or whatever. I I, I don't want to say terms that are context just a little bit out of context. So it looks like I don't know what I'm talking about. But basically, they're trying to guess a number. And when they guess that number, the Bitcoins get released to the computer that guesses it. So the more computers you have, the more guesses you can take per second. That, that's your hash rate. And so that's why they have thousands of computers interconnected. Yeah. And these pictures are what you would see all over China. China had the most mines. And because, because they could. And they did. And they started doing it. But then actually that's from what we were, what we were talking about. That's not the reason they shut them down. Not because they mined a lot, they began building Bitcoins, but there were other reasons. And the other reasons I think are fascinating. So they were there. And uh, But I think the first thing we should say is why were they there? Yeah, they'll say they built them. They built them to mine and they were doing it. And it was 60 to 70% of the mining is done in China. And so they made the conscious decision to do it and they did it. So the reason they were there is not the same reason necessarily that they that they uh, shut them down. No, but let's talk about the reason they're there. Yeah. So when you run thousands of computers like this, it causes energy consumption out the wazoo. Well, China has a lot of hydroelectric power. So in the if we go back to the, well, I won't go back to the CoinDesk article, but the areas that where they got shut down are areas where there's a fair amount of hydroelectric power. And especially during, you know, spring and summer runoff, there's an excess of power in the system. But even in the rest of the year where there's not an excess of hydroelectric power, China has an aggressive industrialization policy. And part of that policy is subsidizing coal-fired power plants um, and providing energy to industry at below market cost because the government is subsidizing energy. Well, the Bitcoin mines say, hey, we'll get in on that action. If you want to charge pennies on the dollar for energy, we'll set up our Bitcoin mines here. Now, the Chinese government says, wait a minute, you're taking advantage of our generosity. This was to, you know, for people to build factories, to encourage um, the use of energy in industries that we can tax and in industries that we can control. You're using it to create an asset that's very difficult to tax that sort of circumvents our authority as the chief financial institution of the state, the the one that can print yuan and you know take yuan out of the, the banking system. You're sort of setting up an alternative banking system with our generosity. That's not going to stand. That's the reason why they said, no, you can't mine here anymore. Well, I... I I don't know if this is true or not, but but uh, uh, trying to think on their side, uh, like uh, why did they let them do that in the first place? Well, it's complicated. It's it's not clear exactly what mining is. It's not clear what Bitcoin and it's not really that clear. And but once it happens, once it starts happening, and they start seeing it play out and understand the implications of of uh, the actions of the mining and and their actions of uh, allowing them to uh, use the energy 
then they begin seeing the consequences and then they made made decisions. So I think the decision to shut them down and the reasons why and the reasons why they they started in the first place, the reasons why they shut them down is very revealing on the future of not just Bitcoin, but just this this whole area, mm-hmm. the whole arena of of uh, cryptocurrency and uh, uh, and, and currency, and the future of currency, because it is being challenged mm-hmm. over the world. And so when you challenge something, uh, it's not going back to the way it was. It's not going to be. Uh, it's going to be different. But uh, what it what that difference is in the future, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. So I think we I mean we discussed this yesterday though, when I was going through you know. When we were going through the deck that we were going to do today, we'll say we'll start with you know China's reasons for shutting down Bitcoin, and then we enumerated them. And you say, but mm-hmm. the thing is, those are all really good reasons. Yeah, they were. It's not like they capriciously told a five hundred, four hundred billion dollar industry to get out of their backyard for no reason. This this was a choice that they've made that will send an industry elsewhere. And I think they've decided we don't want anything to do with this industry. You know, at, at the risk of, you know, political lashback, uh, if we were China mm-hmm. and we were there with them and looking what they and their their capabilities and power, and we saw what was happening, we very likely may have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in our it's in our best interest for them not to be here. So that's what they did. And if. If by we you mean the United States, that can lead us into the next part of the discussion. <laughs> okay. Which is these companies, they're being uprooted. And that's why I want to call attention to the Washington Post article. And I'll just put it up on screen so that everyone can see it so we can give the author attribution. Bitcoin miners exit China beat a path to the U.S. as crypto climate shifts by Jerry Shi. Fantastic article in the Washington Post. Yes. Uh, he went and he, he, well, he tracked down one, Tony uh, Zhang, Zhang Zhuer, uh, who owns a large Bitcoin mining facility in remote northern China, especially ventilated warehouses across remote northern China, guzzling enough electricity to power a small city. Um, he has hundreds of millions of dollars in ASIC mining machines, which are specialized mining computers. And he's saying he's going to America. He's packing up his he's packing up his operation and he's sending it to America. And now, I think what you said was fascinating, is that if we were in China's position, we might advise them to do that. And the thing is, we're about to be in that position. <laughs> That's correct. And if, if they come here, then that what is happening in China will be happening here. Mm-hmm. Our system is different. How will our system react to that in the and United States? The fascinating thing is, uh, so this article in the Washington Post goes on to say, energy costs are six times what... <laughs> Can you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like you're taking a piss. <laughs> I should do that. Let me just <laughs> film my thing. I just do it fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing this. Uh huh. You can just mute yourself next time before you do it. I will. Sorry. Um, Go, David. Okay, so energy costs are six times in America what they are in China. And energy costs are the main cost of a Bitcoin mining facility. So... Why would they go to a place where the main cost is six times what it was? And in the article, this the guy Zhang Zhu Er says, I had some friends try to go to the Middle East. I had some friends try to go to Russia. The energy costs are low in the Middle East. They're low in Russia. In the Middle East, there was a customs dispute. He got his fancy millions of dollars of computers held up in customs. In Russia... Some corrupt policemen came, confiscated his computers, probably to use the computers for their own purposes. And it's like the p- reason why people are going to the United States is because they feel the business environment and the regulatory environment won't allow for corruption like that. 
So they're willing to spend six times more on the key resource that powers their industry, which is energy, uh, just to have a stable regulatory environment. And that's fascinating to me. But the thing is, yes, our environment is stable. Our business environment, our regulatory environment is stable. But the rules around Bitcoin mining haven't been established yet. So they're putting the cart before the horse. And if they come in and set up mines and things go poorly, they're talking about Tennessee and Texas. And I mean, I think that Texas has had its own struggles with providing energy to its people. You're going to come in there and gobble up 20% of the energy in their grid? That seems like a dangerous proposition to me. They'll, they'll chase you out of town. Well, you, got, uh, you know, when I look at that, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not that close to it. I don't know that much about it. However, in general, those are good reasons to come here. They might not be good enough reasons to be able to stay here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who knows how, how, how our system in the states, even the federal system, the state system, the municipalities and local systems, uh, they, you know, how they're going to react to this. And, and they probably will react to it somehow because they are coming in and, and it is, it is disruptive. And I think the reason they're coming here, th- those are the reasons why they're going to come here. But uh, continuing here uh, usually are very different reasons. And so somehow they need to think forward about, okay, we're coming here, but how do they establish longevity or sustainability in an area? You, know, you have to deal with the, the, uh, the government municipalities, especially when you eat up their resources. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, maybe you've seen some articles about how they plan. Uh, th- this is why they're coming, but then how do they plan to stay here? <laughs> yeah, and, and do this, uh, making deals with uh, the governments or the local governments or whatever. Because, and also, it's understanding uh, the uh, the connections between federal, state, and local governments. How 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 those work, and uh, that's not the same in every state in the union, in the United States. Each state is a little bit different, and even within a state, uh, there's variability within municipalities within a state. So. Uh, th- that's another unknown unknown uh, factor in that in that formula. Yeah. Now I'd like to just share something. It's a tweet that was retweeted by Jerry Shee, the author of the Washington Post article, because this is real. Yunus Yun, mm-hmm. China China logistics firm in Guangzhou, confirms to CNBC it's airlifting three thousand kilograms of Bitcoin mining machines to Maryland. And then here's the pictures. I mean, there's, there they no, go. there's no way to verify that those are Bitcoin mining machines from the picture. But it's it's happening. I mean, I, I think that the, the machines are coming here. They're going to set up mines. And what how the United States government, how state governments, how local governments react, that remains to be determined. That's right. I mean... They have the freedom to come here, but once you're here, uh, the municipalities, I mean, yes, you do have the freedom to come here and set up. Uh, they're not going to confiscate, but they also have the freedom to make regulations and and and, uh, and laws and restrictions, and uh, they can do other things, too. It's mm-hmm. not the same, uh, but, you know, the country's free, but it's free for everyone. Everyone yeah. can do different things. Uh, and even the music, and so the people will vote. Says, "Hey, you know, they're taking our our energy, and so we think uh, this should happen." Yeah. And so it's not it's not the government, it's the people. But the people can vote. Yeah. They so can we'll have, see what happens. They can have specific fees or specific taxation schemes on that specific industry. I mean, I think a lot about um, what they did with marijuana here in Colorado. There's a lot of taxes that go into it, and. Uh, and that's just the price you pay for being in that industry is sort of having a heavier tax burden on the, the product that you sell than if you sold kitchen appliances or razor blades. 
Well, that, that's that's a good example. Uh, the clash between uh, the local laws of marijuana and the federal laws of marijuana here in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, they clashed. And so how do you coordinate that? Uh, well, uh, with Bitcoin mining, uh, you might have local uh, regulations or laws uh, and you might have state and federal and they might clash. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? It, it, it's an unknown. It is an unknown in this in this uh, formula. In this. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, it's it's something to, to me. This is news. <laughs> it's unknown. Uh, we're we're reporting not on what has happened, but we are hypothesizing what might happen, what could happen, and hey, stay tuned. Uh, to me, this is as much or more news than the Bitcoin went up or went down, or uh, you know the, the the fluctuation is. Oh, it went up and went down. Yeah, it's been doing that for yeah for ten years. I was thinking, you know, like, oh, well, because China ordered their crypto mines to close, that hashing power is offline right now. And as a result, like CNN, CNBC, I mean, not CNN, um, like China cracks down on Bitcoin as $400 billion in value vanishes as price of Bitcoin drops. So, you know, the market cap, if you take the drop, multiply it by the number of outstanding Bitcoins, that equals $400 billion. And the thing is, yes, China cracking down on Bitcoin mining can cause a 20% price adjustment. But a stiff breeze can cause a 20% price adjustment in either direction. So, I mean, the price adjustment is irrelevant. It's going to be volatile no matter what you do. Little things are going to change the price of it um, because it hasn't ironed out its volatility yet. So I I just think sort of looking at everything through the prism or the lens of price you're going to get the same answer, volatility. This yeah. happened and the price is volatile. That happened and the price is volatile. It's Wednesday. The price is volatile. It's Thursday. The price is volatile. That's going to be the story every time, right? That's right. That's right. But then, uh, oh, they're in Maryland. Okay. And then they're going to go to the Wyoming and they're going to Florida. Then they're going to Texas. Each one of those is a different story because mm-hmm. Maryland is very different than than uh, uh, Texas, you know, and North Dakota is going to be very different than Florida. Well, Maryland's so, just a port of destination, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. so that's where they're that's so, where they're unloading the machines. They may truck them somewhere else to set up. a. Yeah, that's, you're probably right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying wherever they go, uh, where they go, if it's more than one state, the states are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I can guarantee you that uh, Texas is different than Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and uh, Arkansas is different than Louisiana. So it, it's going to be interesting. But also, um, th- this raises a lot of other issues uh, about um, globalization, uh, that they're coming to the United States and and uh, that the world is, is connected much more now than it ever has been. And uh, we know that. Uh, that article was last week. And so, uh, again, to me, uh, the reporting of things and the knowledge of things and the acceleration, uh, the speed of, of knowledge and, and what's happening right now is, is going to change decisions in the future. Mm-hmm. Because we hear that. I mean, we're, we're here making this podcast talking about it. Well, you know everyone who is uh, in every state in a position to make uh, legislative decisions uh, and also businesses that have to deal with this, you know, they know about it and they're thinking of what are we going to do about it? We don't know. Let's see how it's, let's see how it plays out to me that that's going to be fascinating on how people react to this mm-hmm. and, uh, and what, how's it going to change the United States? How's it going to change us here? How do we, uh, how do we meaning the United States government, and also the United States society and, and technology and industry, how do we connect with that? Uh, and uh, is it going to be clashing? Is it going to be partnering? Is it going to be uh, respect, uh, respectful distancing? Uh, who knows what it's going to be? Yes. Well, but one, th- one thing but, for sure, they're going to do what's good for them. But what I think is to your point also is that, you know, you said when we were talking about the reasons China sort of banned crypto mining, and 
those reasons also exist for the United States. Right. Those reasons are just as viable a reason to crack down on crypto mining here. And so I sort of see it like, you know, these miners come to town, they have these machines. So in China, they got the additional benefit of, I think they make ASIC machines in China. So it's like, oh, we need, you know, a facility where we have 20,000, 30,000 ASIC machines running all day long. And, you know, if you're in West Texas and you're a mayor there and it's like, yeah, we want to build this gigantic warehouse and we want to hire a bunch of people to do all the wiring and set it up competent, you know, electrical people, competent systems, um, administrators, system engineers. And, and it's like, wow, this is more jobs than we've had in a long time. It's bringing a lot of money to this community. But then once it's set up, it takes a lot more than you thought. You know, your, your people don't have air conditioning in the summer or heat in the winter because that's going to the Bitcoin mine. Um, it's one of those things where you get, it's a, it's a hard bargain. It's a hard sell to any community because of its resource footprint. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that China said, we don't want anything to do with this, I think that says a lot. <laughs> That's right. In other words, you're right, David. If you, if you think about it, if you step back and think about it, uh, I'm sure China had very good reasons to do it in the first place. You know, And then they had very good reasons to kick them out. In the, in the last place. Mm -hmm. uh, well, those reasons are going to be the same reasons here. But then they had control so they could do it. Uh, we have a different kind of control. We don't have the same control here, but it'll be the same problems. And so how do we react to them? Uh, and so we we probably will react to them within our system, but uh, the way we react to, react to them, those problems in our system uh, might be much more complex in long term because they could just say you're out. Uh, we we if they're here and entrenched, we can't just say you're out. Mm -hmm. We have to somehow if they if we want them out, uh, somehow through laws and rule of law get them out, and it's going to be extremely different. Uh, to me, that's that's uh, again a challenge on our system. And sometimes, uh, looking at the other side, the altruistic side of this. Sometimes when you challenge a system like that, uh, you make a system stronger. You show the weaknesses and they go, oh, we need to shore this up and we need to tighten this up and uh, maybe you'll become stronger. I don't know. Who knows what, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just very, very, very interesting. The other thing is that the industry itself, uh, if when, when we have uh, Bitcoin mining here, and uh, the Bitcoins really challenge different currencies, you know, how would the source of creating Bitcoins, like Bitcoin mining, how would, the, how would that source being within a certain area, how would that contribute to the area or even to the state or even to the nation or the continent? How would mm -hmm. it contribute? Uh, don't know. Uh, can you change... Can you change your your interests uh, to where it does benefit uh, a municipality or a government? That's a lot of smart people need to start thinking about uh, not don't do it because I don't understand it or don't do it because I don't like it. No, no. How can we use it and how can we move forward to where if it's going to happen, if it's good for people, it's good for global uh, economy or global uh, security and trust. Uh, then maybe we need to think about how to uh, uh, change to where we embrace the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was clear with that, but uh, well, I, there's I, a challenge. There's a good part and there's a bad part. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, yes, energy is more expensive here, but they'll still be using, you know, coal or natural gas-fired power plants in a lot of instances. But if you say, oh, the regulatory environment here says you can mine, we're not going to shut you down. But you need to invest 10% of the gross, 15% of the gross in renewable energies so that by 2035, 
your entire mine runs on renewables. Then you get infrastructure investment as a result of having this activity in your area. I mean, the difficult thing is that the thing that you're mining doesn't even necessarily need to be converted into dollars. It's a store of value in and of itself. That's what's, that's what's hard for the, I think that's what was hard for the Chinese to wrap their heads around. That's what's going to be hard for the Americans to wrap their heads around, is that Bitcoin itself has value. Now you sort of say, oh, a Bitcoin's worth 40 grand or a Bitcoin's worth 35 grand. And that just sort of helps you contextualize what a Bitcoin is worth in terms of a denomination that you understand. But the thing is, a Bitcoin's worth a Bitcoin. That's right. And you mine the Bitcoin, you're not going to sell it for U.S. dollars because a lot of times, and we were talking about this last night too, you'll set up mines and the cost of operating a mine, you're operating at a loss with the intention of by the time you've mined thousands of Bitcoins and the price goes up 500%, all of a sudden you weren't operating at a loss. At the time that you mine them, if you sell them, you're selling them for less than it costs to mine them. Does that, you know? But yep. if you hold on to them for five or 10 years, you have 3,000% return. Yes. But the return is not stock. The return is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so somehow you got to trans... If you want the dollars to offset your, your debt, you have to transfer those Bitcoins to dollars and... and uh, you you want the bitcoin to grow uh it's just it's uh it's fascinating it's a whole different field it's a whole different area it's a different way of thinking mm -hmm. and i think uh, people have to wrap their heads around uh what this really what this really means uh, a bitcoin is a bitcoin say oh it's worth this yeah but it's not uh, a surrogate for money it's a bitcoin mm -hmm. <laughs> and in, in the bitcoin universe it's one Bitcoin. Yeah, the dollar went up and down because that's what it's traded for. But that's that's volatile. That's that's not the worth of it. That's that's the present value of it. Yes. And the dollar is stable. I mean, the Bitcoin's inherently unstable, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. It has a lot of value. One Bitcoin, even after 400 billion in value disappears into the night because of China's actions, one you'd still rather have one Bitcoin than one dollar. I mean, that sort of goes without saying. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, the other thing is that uh, I think it's going to be interesting uh, to think about uh, the they're coming to the United States, but there's other countries, too. I, I think Canada was mentioned. Yes. Uh, and uh, so when they go to other countries as well as the United States, you know, it's not just they're taking their energy, but also they're giving value uh, to the world economy. And how's that going to change things? In other words, when you empower them, uh, they're going to continue to do their Bitcoin and the Bitcoin is going to be traded and it's going to grow. And it's uh, as it gets larger, it's going to have more of an impact uh, on on tangent uh, industries. Mm -hmm. And so how is that going to keep growing? I think it's really very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I think the biggest from the story from China is, like you said, why did they do it in the first place? Well, I mean, why did they let it? Why did they start the first place? And they grew so fast and then they're stopping it. And so maybe the same reasons is why other countries will do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, to credit to China's industriousness, but I was watching something, I forget. It was a program, and they were talking about China over the last 10 years, and the guy said, yeah, I wanted to build a factory. And so this party leader comes and says, um, it's like, yeah, I want to get a factory up and running in, in 18 months. He takes me to the outskirts of the city, and there's people living on this mountainside. He's like, how about here for your factory? And I, I, th I laugh. I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, there's people living there and it's on a mountain. I came back 18 months later. There was no mountain. There was a factory. Um, they, they get stuff done. So why did they move so fast? Because that's how it works in China. That's you can, you can make money doing this. Full send it. You know, have 10,000 ASIC machines running. You know, 
draw all that power. And I think the power draw and the pollution was probably less of a consideration for China than the inherent inability to control a decentralized currency. That probably played more into their decision. And yet both are very good reasons not to allow crypto mining. Now, I think a question going forward is we haven't seen the regulatory response of the United States to to large-scale mining because we don't have that large-scale mining yet, but we may have it here in the next year or two. You know, they'll set up and we'll start to see the effects of large-scale mining here in the States. Do you see a scenario where Europe, Canada, the U.S., they don't want anything to do with this? You go to uh, Russia or Kazakhstan, and they're uh, too corrupt to have a stable environment. And maybe not Bitcoin disappears, but the mining of it becomes truly decentralized once again. <laughs> it's taken over by different different uh, where people like you or me running our graphics cards in the off time are doing that hashing and not these giant ASIC pints because nobody wants them anywhere. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe more of a consortium. Uh, start creating consortiums of of people like us just doing it in our. Well, that's that that was the uh, that was the initial design. It was. It was. It was totally well, decentralized. Yeah, you you brought that up, David. Uh, Bitcoin was designed as, or blockchain was designed to peer to peer, and then Bitcoin was was uh, emerged. The, the work unit of the you know. Yeah, the work unit of of the blockchain. But then, the the inner. But then what happened was it began to to morph into uh, banking, and then it began to morph into. It's an uh, asset, a store of value. Yeah, it's, it's not a stored value. It's not a currency anymore. It's just a store of value. That's right. So it, that's changing. So it's a natural progression. Mm-hmm. You think, well, you're changing it. Well, that's going to happen. Uh, you know, things grow, things change. Uh, and so what we're talking about with uh, with uh, mining, that's going to change too. Mm-hmm. And that's going to grow as people learn more about it uh, and how the things, uh, the constraints and the benefits around it changes and begin become known, it's going to change how it's going to happen. Uh, but it's a good point. I think that uh, there's a lot of things that could happen, like uh, it could be decentralized. Uh, it's how it was envisioned from the beginning. But uh, yeah, we'll see how. Uh, I'm sure Europe is looking at the United States, uh, you know, a different, uh, the EU is saying, okay, if they're moving to uh, to the United States, how's what's going to happen in five to in in a year, mm-hmm. one one to five years, uh, before they decide to let people in or learn how to uh, create the controls around it if they do come? Yeah, I mean, I see uh, there's so much crazy potential in the Washington Post article by Jerry She. He talks about a private equity firm in upstate New York. Okay, let me pull it up because I have the article here. Good. Earlier this year, a dispute erupted in New York State's Finger Lakes region between local activists and a Connecticut private equity firm that had converted an old natural gas-fueled power plant into a Bitcoin mine. As a result, the New York State legislature is considering a bill that would block new Bitcoin mining and carbon-producing power plants. Mm Mm-hmm. I see a future. This is a potential. There's a million ways this could go. So don't quote me on this. This isn't going to happen. But in countries, yeah, you can, you know, convert a natural gas power plant to your Bitcoin mine to get all the energy. And so you sort of control, you're vertically integrated at that point, right? The energy from the old power plant goes directly into your computers. What about nuclear? It's more efficient. Yeah, and it has enormous power. mm Mm-hmm. Could you see one of these countries that has nuclear saying, "Oh, well, we have, you know, we'll invest twenty billion in Bitcoin if you allow us to build a nuclear power plant, and then we won't touch your grid." 
we'll just, you know, split the atom <laughs> and use that to power our Bitcoin mines. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, extre it's extremely efficient. That's yep. a that's a potential solution. Yep, um, it's been shown there's a lot of danger in that, but uh, but it's it's very efficient, and that might be a good answer because you need the energy, and it provides a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, you go to a country that'll allow you to do it, and then you do it, and it seems like the smartest thing ever. It's like we get all the benefits of this Bitcoin mine. They built this power plant. Um, they mine Bitcoin with it and they sell any of the excess to the grid, but they don't take anything. Now, there is an inherent danger in nuclear power plants, but I, I tend to agree somewhat with Bill Gates, who says those dangers are dangers of the 70s and 80s in engineering. And because we had a Chernobyl, a Three Mile Island, I guess Fukushima, and that was, not, that was 10 years ago. But Fukushima was an act of God. It was building a nuclear power plant and then having a tsunami hit it. But, you know, the Chernobyls and the Three Mile Islands of the world, that's using safety protocols, um, technology that's 40 or 50 years old. What if you sort of took nuclear into the modern age? Could you make it safer? Could you make more fail-safes? Could you make, you know, could you design and engineer a system that... That's less likely to fail, probably, right? Yeah, well, not probably, absolutely, uh, and they do. They know how to do mostly that right now, mm -hmm. and that will just continue to get better. Uh, but it's not that. That's not the point. The point is that there's a stigma around it, mm -hmm. and people just are just worried about nuclear power. And I, I've heard people say, yeah, anyway, we can talk about nuclear power, but that's not the point of this podcast. Well, there's a stigma around Bitcoin. Right. So I think they should lean into their stigma. Like people already think there's a stigma around us. You know what we're going to do? We're going to build a nuclear power plant and we're going to use it to make all the Bitcoins <laughs> in the world. So you have the nuclear power plant and Bitcoin together. So yeah, that'd be, that would be that would be a, a challenge uh, for uh, for someone to to bring to a society what's the and big, they, what's the big chinese firm work. bitmain i think it's called bitmain Let, let's let's take a look oh no they sell the asic machines okay yeah but i think they may have uh mines as well i tell you what if i'm not sure that <laughs> it would be bitmain but if in 10 years the headline is Bitmain announces uh, development of nuclear power plant for purposes of mining. I'm going to look like a genius. In uh, in uh, some remote, what about a third world country? Go to a third world country that that will allow you to come in and. Uh, I think it would, I think it would be in France or Germany or you know or the UK or. You know, some place that already has, it could be in Russia, you know. It could be, yeah. Or, yeah, and all of a sudden in some, or even the United States, yeah. like in North Dakota or something, and uh, where they have plenty of land to do things with, and, mm -hmm. and uh, just someone who welcomes them and supports them. Uh, yeah, maybe in the future, you're right, David, maybe that'll happen. Then all of a sudden it'll be it'll grow as a as a center of uh, the source of uh, Bitcoin mining. I want to just look at Bitmain uh, real quick. Bitmain is a vertically integrated company. It makes its own chips for mining rigs, which are then sold to end customers. It also uses them in equipment for cryptocurrency mining farms. Mm -hmm. So they're a dominant player in the equipment business. Yeah, but as they grow, maybe they'll they'll expand and, and begin to either vertical or horizontal uh, expansion. Mm -hmm. And so they make ASICs, which are application-specific integrated circuits. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one more thing before we close today. I had an article, but I lost it in the deck because I deleted it for clarity. But I could probably find it 
Um, real quick. I'll just search this. Yes. Um, you see several articles about it. Graphics cards get more affordable in China in wake of Bitcoin crackdown. Clampdown on crypto mining cuts China's GPU prices nearly 45%. Graphics card shortage likely to end with cryptocurrency prices nosediving. Mm. So uh, if you don't have an ASIC machine, if you don't want to spend $10,000 um, for an application-specific integrated circuit, all that machine can do is mine Bitcoin. You can mine Bitcoin from your home. And you can mine it with your CPU, but if you do have a graphics card, you'll be orders of magnitude more efficient. And don't quote my explanation on this, but... I'm going to explain it, and I could be wrong, so look it up yourself. But a CPU, like the CPU in my computer has four cores, and it's hyper-threaded, so there's four virtual cores. There's eight cores that are churning through calculations. Now, these cores are great at handling a lot of things at once. So I have 10 applications open. I have uh, my browser open with 15 tabs for the podcast. I have a Word document. I have the broadcast software. I have... Uh, Skype to talk to you. And a CPU is great at that. Now, a graphics card was designed for doing a lot of calculations really fast and sort of spitting them out as a rasterized image or a vectorized image, I don't know exactly how it works, onto your screen. So it's a lot of math. Now, with Bitcoin mining, it's a lot of math as well. So I don't know. Let's just take a GTX 1080. That's a graphics card that you might use. How many cores? There's 2,560 cores as opposed to four in my CPU. Now, they're not as good at multitasking. They're what they call, I think, arithmetic logic units. So they're designed to do calculations. And so you just brute force it with the number of cores. That's why they work better for Bitcoin mining. And... I found that when the 1080 came out, the 10 series, Bitcoin prices shot through the roof. And then when the 30 series came out, we had another. Oops. So now we're on the three. RTX, GTX 3080 cores. And then now they're called RTX because they do ray tracing. Um. 8,704. So that's a lot more than the 2,560. So you're seeing that the, the as graphics cards get more powerful, you can sort of put them into play for mining. And I think that mining and the price was so high, especially in April of Bitcoin, that the graphics cards, these new graphics cards, never found their way out of China. It's like, why put them on a boat to be sent to Europe or America to be sold for MSRP? when you could pilfer them from the boat, put them into a mining rig, and make a ton of money. So that's what happened. And so the, the, uh, there's a scarcity of graphics cards. Now that you're not allowed to mine Bitcoin in China, there's a glut of graphics cards on the market. It's fascinating, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So that's neither here nor there. That's just an interesting side effect of this. Yeah, well, you know, we talked about this last night. I'll bring it up again because I'm old school. I don't understand this that much uh, about the mining, about ASIC computers hardwired to do mining, uh, searching for solutions to math problems. You know, I guess I'm old school. Back when I was programming, uh, when we would solve math problems, you know, we just had a CPU and it, nothing like we had today, but we always looked at the software and the algorithm and, and how can we make the algorithm more efficient? Uh, and a lot of the circuitry, uh, you did the, you did the, the algorithm first and then you match that with a circuitry to say, how can that be efficient? Uh, and to me, what I'm hearing is you just taking the same operation and just try to make it faster and do more of it. What about taking the operation and make the operation more efficient? 
Uh, and I, I guess I don't understand it that much. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because we talked about that last night. Because uh, we, because what I, what I, when I was working, you know, decades ago, uh, I don't work in it anymore. But uh, uh, by the way you program things and the way you, the software was designed, uh, you could make it make the uh, operation uh, faster by an order of magnitude, uh, just by how you programmed it. So I don't know what I don't know why where that would come in or if you design the circuits uh, differently uh, to do something specific. Or maybe they have. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe they do have the most efficient way to do it. I know so, that Bitcoin uses SHA two fifty six as its hashing algorithm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to say, what does that mean? Explain that to me. It's, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know either. That's what it breaks down. But this is the algorithm that's used. And we can take a look at it. The secure hash algorithm, too, is a set of cryptographic hash functions designed by the United States National Security Agency and first published in 2001. Oh, uh, con compression function built using structure block cipher. See, that's how they build it. You can backward engineer that to say, how, how could you find a result of that if you know how they built it in the first place? Like uh, That's the kind of stuff we did, yeah. So It's very interesting. The SHA2 hash, that's transport layer security and secure sockets layer, that's what secures websites. Um, secure shell protocol. Um, so yeah, there's... Um, Several cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin use SHA-256 for verifying transactions and calculating proof of work. So it's used somehow, that algorithm is being used to do Bitcoin mining. I don't know what that algorithm looks like. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Or how, <laughs> or how it's being used. I mean, it's, but I know that you have your miner working, and if it solves the problem, the Bitcoins get released to you. And it's crazy that, you know, if you had a time machine and uh, and you brought back, I would bring just back my, my rig, my computer, maybe try to find some used graphics cards so I could hook up two or three of them. I would go back in time to 2009, 2010, and mine Bitcoin, and then I'd be uh, I'd have a hundred million dollars because it was easy to mine it back then. That wasn't very long ago. No, it wasn't. That was what ten years ago. Yeah. And so, what's going to happen the next five years? <laughs> what's going to yeah? What's going to happen the next ten years? I think you're going to see. I guess the upshot of this whole thing is. When China does something, they don't do it for no reason. That's right. There's a reason they do it. And this is off the subject, but last year, when China had these massive lockdowns in Wuhan, Wuhan, that's when I said, this is going to be an issue. It hadn't come here yet to the United States, but it's like, that's a city of 10 million people and they're making everybody stay home. Like they wouldn't do that for no reason. This is serious. And they were downplaying the seriousness of the time. But what you say and what you do are two different things. And when they told the city of 10 million people no one can leave their houses, and this is in February of last year, I said, this is, this is not good. This is going to be bad. And it was bad. Um, so I think that their reasons for doing this are completely valid. It remains to be seen who's going to be left holding the crypto mining bag. Although, hey, maybe we'll get some infrastructure investment by the crypto miners in renewables or maybe even, and I'll look like a prophet if this happens, new nuclear facilities to handle the mining, uh, the, the load. Mm -hmm. That's my wrap-up, my dime store wrap-up of our discussion mm -hmm. today. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that, David. And and I, when you come to the United States, the United States is slow. It's not as fast as China, but it's slow. And they will work and say, well, 
maybe these are the kind of things you need to do to stay here. Uh, and so we'll see how what happens when they if if they come here and start building these farms uh, in uh, in different states. We'll see how we'll see how the Americans react to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gather and again, it's another uh, point of learning and point of reference. Yes, I think that um, the the problem with American politics is. The person that lets all the minds set up shop is going to take a victory lap, and someone else is going to be in office when it's time to pay the piper. And that's <laughs> that's how that's how politics works, right? Like this is uh, going yes, to be it is. this is going to be disastrous ten years down the line. Thank goodness term limits are only eight years. Like <laughs> welcome. That's what's good. That's how that's how American politics works. Unfortunately, yes, and. Uh, you think, oh, that's a terrible system. Well, it's not perfect, uh, but hey, we've grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you grow, and, you, and that doesn't mean everything is bad from what they did. Uh, that there's going to be some good fallout on the way on those those ten years, those yeah. eight years. There's some good things happen too. So that's it's why not a, that's why I always roll my eyes when a president says, at a State of the Union or something like. Uh, we want to eradicate AIDS from the face of the earth by 2035. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, eight years after your last year in office. So someone else is <laughs> going to claim that? Like, I like how they'll claim something that's so far off in the future that, like, if it does happen, they're taking a flyer on it. Oh, if that does happen, you say that I did it, you know? But if it doesn't happen, hey, I wasn't president for the last half, you know? Blame uh, someone else. Blame someone else if it doesn't happen. I get the credit if it works. If it doesn't work, it's someone else's fault. And that's, I think, the way that it operates a lot of the times. I think a lot of people will allow these Bitcoin mines to set up and take the credit. And then when they're left holding the bag and there's energy shortages and and pollution, um, they'll say, well, that's someone else's problem. If it works, you predicted it. If it doesn't work, it was on someone else's watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way it's always been. Yes. And that's the way it always will be. And so, uh, but the people holding the bag or the people being holding the bag or the bags being handed to them, uh, they're smart people everywhere in all Mm -hmm. the world. And they're thinking about this as, okay, I see what's happening. What's it going to mean to me in the future? Uh, Because they don't have term limits. They're they're here for the long haul. They're the people thinking about it. And then... uh, in our country, uh, those people talk. Those people are, are active. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's going it's to be something to watch. To me, David, this is news. Yes. <laughs> this is news because this is something to watch. How is this going to play out? And what's going to be the next thing, uh, the next two weeks or the next month? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen next? Don't know. There's so many things that could happen. I can't wait to see what the next hammer that's going to drop on this. Yes. And we've alluded to the price of Bitcoin, but I'm happy that we were able to discuss an issue in Bitcoin news by discussing its geopolitical ramifications and not mm-hmm. once specifically refer to the price. Yes. Because I think that there's so much more going on in the space than the price of it on any given day. And I think much more important things going on in this space, too. Yes. The, the geopolitical, uh, but also the social uh, and uh, and the industry monetary mm-hmm. uh, impacts of of what's happening with with just the mining, uh, with local, uh, regional, national, and international. How is this going to play out? To me, that's news. To me, that's something to be watchful of, uh, to stay on top of, and just see what smart people say. There's mm-hmm. a lot of smart people in this world, and uh, they they need to. We need to listen to them. Listen to everyone. Listen, listen to people what they say because there's smart people on looking at this from all different perspectives, uh, from where they sit. Mm-hmm. So I got the outro music playing, and I think that's a good time to wrap it up, don't you? Okay, you ready to go? I'm ready. Sons of Sequoia says, "Keep on talking, but listen more than you talk, and try to understand what the other person is saying." We'll catch you all in the next one. See ya.